Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab podcast. I am the doctor, and happy, happy, happy new year. It is 2023, and we are excited to kick the new year off strong. At least I am. JB is still recovering. You know, New Year's Eve, he had to stay up past his, his bedtime. He's just not good at that. He, he likes to be to bed early, but he had to stay up and, and celebrate. So he's going to be recovering for a few days to make up for those few hours he had to stay up. So he'll be back next week. But this week, we are doing a special, special episode. We are doing a year in review of 2020's pod, 2022's podcasts. I don't even know what year it is anymore. We just got to a new one. Will you be like me for like the first three months writing the wrong date? I know I'm going to do that for sure. Uh, so if you're a first-time listener, this is a great episode to see what we've done over the last year. If you're a returning viewer and, and listener, this will be a great podcast to relive some of your favorite moments or maybe an episode or two you might have missed. So we're going to just throw some clips from the from the last year, 2022, and you're going to check it out and you're going to enjoy it as much as we have. Uh, we really appreciate everyone that has has joined us over the last couple of years. Um, and if you remember last year, we did an awesome review episode as well. So we are going to start off the new year with the review of 2022 and some of our favorite clips. Enjoy. And if you're new here, don't forget to hit subscribe and turn on those notifications because you're not going to want to miss what we got in store for 2023. Enjoy. I am super excited to introduce Sherry Warner. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. She is the owner of serendipity counseling and consulting now your focus is is woman centric do men and women respond the same way here when it comes to financial stress or, or the behaviors and kind of the responses that you see between the two sexes i think there's some similarities but fundamentally there are differences and i think it's because of how women and men are raised and what and how they're raised to view certain issues or deal with certain situations and now I'm going to speak in very general terms. This is where the lawyer in me comes out because I always have a caveat, right? Uh, you, <laughs> you know? my, my voice was itching too. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm going to speak in very general terms. Um, but, you know, men typically, depending on the cultural implications, are raised to be the hunters, the character, you know, they're the ones that take care of the family. It's their responsibility to make sure that everything runs okay at home um they have kind of this this overview of what their responsibilities to their families are women are typically raised to be the nurturers the caregivers they take care of things on the inside make sure that all the wheels are oiled and running smoothly but now we live in 2022 where both men and women are out there and we're in the workforce and 
we're not quite equal, but the responsibilities are the same. But we still address them and we still deal with them very differently. Women tend to become more stressed out um, because they were raised to believe that they get older, they get a job, they get married, and then there'll be a pair of them handling the finances, bringing in the income, they're doing it together. It's not really working out that way. A lot of the women that I work with are single moms or they've been married and divorced and they still have the responsibility of taking care of family. So they tend to become um, more stressed out. They tend to struggle with anxiety and depression more and it affects them in different ways. Men will still have the same responsibilities of, okay, I still have to take care of the kids. I got to make sure the bills are paid. I got to make sure the car notes paid. That I, I have to make sure, I have to make sure, I have to make sure. That's that pressure that's been placed on y'all by society. You're men, you're supposed to take care of the family. Da, 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 da. And what happens when men get stressed out? They internalize because <laughs> you don't like to talk. You know, we try to get you to talk mm -hmm. and you say we're bothering you. Yeah. We're just trying to share the load. But, you know, men then, they internalize, internalize, internalize. But what happens when you stuff a bag too much? It begins to pop out on the sides. Eventually, they will blow. Hopefully, they find someone that they can talk to or they find other ways to release all of that stress. But anxiety can affect men in similar ways that it affects women because it will affect their, their system internally as well. I think they only shut down is because you only ask those questions during the football games. Not true. I <laughs> know uh, that's not true. And it's actually interesting because in, in my uh, practice, I work a lot more with men. So we have like the antisthenesis and I'm seeing a lot more these days of men opening up and wanting to open up. Yes. And, I'm so happy for that. And what we're finding and what I see a lot and I'm sure Shari will uh, agree with me, maybe, um, that a lot of this is societal restrictions. Like we, these are all constructs that were created by society mm -hmm. of these labels that we're supposed to fit in. But if you pull all that back and people are just allowed to be themselves, there's going to be a mixture across sex that mm -hmm. there's going to be some men that are very open and want to share. There's going to be men that are very shut down. There's going to be some women that are very open and very shut down. And it's not across the sex and gender as much as it is just what societal pressures put on it and left to their own, device, you would probably see a, a more even mixture across the board. Uh, they were really allowed to be themselves. I would agree. If you just let people be themselves, right? If you just allow them the space to just be themselves, to be authentic, to just be whoever it is that they want to be, I think people would be healthier. I think they'd be more well-adjusted. I think they'd be just happier. But when you try to meet these unreasonable expectations that society places on you, you know, some of them are just... You just can't live up to them no matter what. Every time you think you've you've met the bar, the bar moves higher, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't cut your break," you know. But people who learn to just be tend to be a little bit happy. Really excited to have him. We got Greg Drozdow, uh, Drozdow Financial CEO. He's also CEO of Convos from Snappy Kraken, which is a fintech company. So he has his hands not just in financial services, but in the tech side of financial services as well, not just helping clients, but helping other advisors, which is freaking awesome. So at, at what point did you start to, once you were able to really get going with that, 
see the impact of it, right? Because previously you had been in this experience where you wanted to do this stuff and you couldn't. Now all of a sudden you're uh, director of business development, you're helping other advisors implement this sort of thing into their business. What kind of impact has, it, has that had and how important do you think it is to any business, let alone advisory? Text messaging in general is, I think, an underused business development tool um, and also client service tool. Um, and it's specifically for the financial services industry, you know, it's definitely underutilized for a few reasons. I would say number one, text messaging is a, um, it, one in order to, for, for advisors and any industry professional that has a lot of regulation. So like this would also fall for like attorneys, accountants, for example, you know, you really need to separate your personal phone from your business phone. And a lot of times, um, really, there hasn't been that much technology that has that has really done that. There, there, there are definitely a few like, um, you know, companies for one one common company in our, our space is, is my rep chat, which is also uh, our convos partner. And, um, you know, they do like archiving of messages and things. But a lot of advisors aren't educated on this. They, they don't they're, they're number one, not really educated on digital marketing in general and the power of what a strong email automation system with quality content, you know, for social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, even Instagram, you know, now TikTok, like can do for a brand and your business. And then with that, you know, so that's what Snappy Kraken does at, at, at its core. It's automated growth uh, program, which is digital marketing campaigns that consists of email elements, social media elements, and we build out all the content. We have an in-house creation and design team. You know, we also have proof of performance behind the campaigns. We, we've tested them. We have a handful of case studies and results, which you can see on our website. But one of the things that we looked at last year, um, myself and, and uh, a couple of members of our executive team, Robert, our, our CEO of Snappy Crack, and, and Jake, my partner, is that, you know, what other ways can people engage Right. When uh, a lot of those other channels aren't really being uh, either utilized fully or just they're oversaturated, like, you know, maybe you missed an important, you know, social media post. Uh, maybe you're a prospect or client and um, you might have not seen that important social media post from that advisor or uh, maybe you're a financial advisor and you um, you're not getting really good engagement with your emails. Right. It's on average less than 25 percent open rates. Um, text messaging is 98%. So we just figured, you know, texting is a huge communication channel. We all do it, right? We all have a phone, I hope. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, we text with our loved ones. We text friends. We maybe text a funny meme or a joke or an article about something important or just coordinating plans to get a coffee or scheduling a dentist appointment, right? Whatever that is. I mean, texting, we use it for, it's the most common used form of communication. So how can we empower other financial advisors to text their prospects and clients. And when we look at some of the data, uh, which we're building out a big report on this right now, but we've, we've done some initial data, um, sorry, data research, you know, most people, which is, for example, like when it comes to appointment reminders, you know, majority of people prefer appointment reminders over text versus email. Right. And uh, when we surveyed the landscape of like, how do advisors communicate? with their prospects and clients. Yes. Email for like important things, especially when it's like, you know, secured private information and, you know, you're talking about accounts or, you know, detailed stuff like that, but general like communication of like check-ins, maybe how you're doing, 
even obviously phone call is always going to be there, but you know, text, right? We all text. So it's been really exciting. Uh, we just launched it in December. We were in a beta for uh, the last six months. We really built this system and this program from the ground up. So it's a separate automated marketing, a text marketing platform where financial advisors can come on board. They can uh, manage all of their conversations in one place with all of their contacts, prospects, or clients. There's uh, the ability to send campaigns. That's another thing. Most uh, other tech platforms in this space uh, aren't focused on marketing, meaning they don't give, give really any coaching or direction on how to use texting in a marketing format. And also the ability to, to, to deploy, sorry, deploy messages to the masses, but it look, making it look like it's coming from, from just you and having a conversation with that other person, which is a campaign, right? So that's what we, we do. And um, in addition, just automating some of these things. So like, let's say someone texts into you, right? Let, let's say you guys for your podcast or your business, right? You had someone that texts in, um, right? If you could be doing something else and, and perhaps maybe there'd be an automation that could respond to that person and then encourage them to book a time with you depending on what they need, right? So things like that. We're, we're kind of forward thinking on, on the content and on the automations. And that's, that's really what Convos is all about at its core. Well, the, the numbers really back back this up, right? You know, the, you look at the amount of emails that get opened and it continues to drop. The number of text messages that get opened, it's it's like sky high, right? I, do you know that number, Greg? I don't know that number off the top of my head, but I know it's sky high. We could probably Google it or any of our listeners could Google it in like 10 seconds uh, or less, well, depending on how fast it is. On general, like open and response rates for text uh, is around 98% ready really like her we've got dr christiana marin joining us who is a doctor of physical therapy dr christiana welcome any like good stories something that's a, a real good success story. i know you have a lot of them but any success stories that you want to share with us that might uh you know leave us on a good tone for the day yes and she stands out to me all the time and i'm sure if you scroll on my instagram you'd be able to see that video there's this little girl that has my heart and her name is Nyla. And I actually met her father when I did the Fort Lauderdale Fit Expo. So it goes back to that first, you know, blip of getting my introduction to the Fort Lauderdale city. And he had asked me, he's like, have you ever worked with pediatrics? And I was like, yeah, I actually, I actually have. So he said, look, I have a daughter who's got a rare genetic disorder you know, her legs are really bowed out, meaning like they're kind of out and she can't walk. She doesn't communicate and she's, you know, she's dealing with pain. She can't communicate the pain, but she winces a lot. And she was also working at Joe DiMaggio's because they were setting her up for a surgery. So I said, well, okay, let me know, you know, I'm going to come by. And this is obviously, I didn't have a place yet. So I was going to their house and I was going once a week on the weekend and she was about six or seven at that point or five or six and i had to do basic level almost infant goals with her because she didn't have your basic normal function that a normal child would develop into but she man she just tugged on my heartstrings and i would have to carry her up and down the stairs because she couldn't she couldn't walk so I started off with doing like tummy time, belly stuff, all this stuff that you would do almost with an infant and the goals you would hit at with an infant, but I'm doing it at five or six with her. And 
the transformation is amazing. And maybe I could link you guys that video and I don't know how I could even send it, but she now is walking with two feet, swinging her arms, doing her thing. And it took us a year and change and a lot of work on the parents' part and a lot of work with other therapists and telling them what they needed to do with her. But every, every little blip you get to see like her just standing that was a that was a big achievement for her, and the next was I got her in a walker and she could not stand the walker, and then she started liking the walker, and then she got to literally just walking without any help and just with her arms up walking into school because then she could finally go to school, and that's when I knew and I did it with very little equipment I did it with very little nothing fancy just my knowledge and she had a she had a strong will to work with me and that was the that was the moment i knew like you are really good at what you do you might second guess yourself sometimes but don't forget that like what you've done for this little girl speaks volumes because her mom texts me for her birthday, her, her mom texts me. Now, they're in North Carolina now. <clears throat> but she texts me all the time, sends me videos of her just living her life and doing her thing as she can with the diagnosis that she has. And, you know, that's, you're talking two, three years later after the fact. And that it's always just a constant reminder for me, like, you have this power and it's so great and you got to just keep sharing it. And if you can help one person, you can help a lot of people. And that, that is the one that sits with me all the time. It's amazing the changes we can make in the world, right? You know, it, and sometimes it it's easy to doubt our ability to do so. And then you get a story like that where you, you've actively changed somebody's world uh, and been a part of that. And, and I'm certain it took a lot of hard work for, from a lot of people, including your patient, Nyla. Uh, but it's an incredible life-changing uh, story. So love, love hearing things like that. Uh, Dr. Christiana, absolute pleasure to, to have you on and joining us and to, to share a little bit, not just about your journey, but to some of the struggles and some of the really cool success stories like that. That's really neat. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. I am JB. And if this is your first time listening in, thank you for joining us. You're in for a treat. This is a quick hit. It's just me. It's a solo episode. I want to talk about sales and I want to talk about setting the expectation. Why sales? Well, it's my favorite topic of all time. You guys know this already, probably. If you don't know me, now you know my favorite topic. So sales and setting the expectation. And what brings this up? What brings it up is I'm on LinkedIn and I'm reaching out to people. And you know what we do, for those of you who have worked with us in the past, we're soft skills development. We work with teams and individuals to help soft skills. So I reach out to people and I reach out to a certain subset of people on LinkedIn, specifically financial advisors. They are people I'm super comfortable working with. I've done a lot of work with them over the last almost 20 years. So I feel pretty good about reaching out to especially established financial professionals in the financial services industry that have designations that are planners. Now this is a super easy thing to do. I reach out, I send a message and I just say, hey, do you invest in soft skills development? It's actually my second message. My first message is, we know some of the same people, let's connect, or we've got this in common, or we're alumni together, whatever it happens to be, right? A, a nice soft message, let's connect. And then a second message, if we connect, only if we connect, 
She invests in soft skills development. And I got a response back recently, really recently, that said, no thanks. I said that in a way where it's like there was a period at the end of no thanks, but there's no period. It was just a no thanks, no capitals, no nothing, a super fast response. The person I was reaching out to obviously felt like they were being sold. Now, I don't know what this is an experience that they've had with other people that are just going out to actively try to sell them as hard as possible, or it's a result of them being very busy. But I found it interesting that they wanted to connect and they they were unwilling to even engage in, uh, let's call it a, a, a communication, a respectful communication. It was a shutdown and then a hard shutdown. And it's okay. In sales, we get the door shut on us all the time. That's not a big deal. But what was interesting to me and what brought this up is I had this, this thought where you know, I'm glad I asked that question up front, not because I want people to feel like they're getting sold. I don't ever want somebody I work with to feel like they're getting sold. The people I work with and the people who choose to work with myself and the doc want our services because they have a need, they have a problem to solve. Now, what that specific problem may be can depend on each individual and team, but there's a problem that needs to be solved. I mean, this is just what it is. And so this was a really interesting situation because I like to ask this question, if you're not investing in soft skills development as a professional, I could argue you're you're missing massive productivity gains. You're missing a huge piece of what separates the elite, the really, really good professionals and entrepreneurs with everybody else. I could argue that. It's almost irrelevant. I need to know if you're investing in soft skills development because I need to understand, hey, there is a basis for us to have a partnership. Now, I don't want that to feel like sales, but I do want to set expectations with the people that I'm meeting and I'm being deliberate about meeting. This is not somebody I met at an event where we just happened to bump shoulders and it's like, hey, what's going on? How are you? This was a deliberate, you are one of the clients that I can work with really well. You have the pedigree, you have the foundation, you have the baseline that all of my most ideal clients share. Except I do not know if you believe in soft skills development. I don't. I know you believe in some sort of development because you've gone ahead and you've gotten some serious further education and designation work done. So you must believe in development of some sort, but do you believe in soft skill development and do you have a need for it? Because if you don't believe in it or you don't have any sort of need for it, there is really no basis for our conversation. And all of this is to make a singular point when it comes to sales and selling of any kind, setting expectations is incredibly important for both parties. It's incredibly important. We need to set expectations and we need to do it better than we often do. A lot of times we never set expectations, but our expectations should be set because we do need to understand that people are going to be a good fit for us and vice versa. And it's the very first thing we need to be able to figure out. I like setting expectations. I like this no thanks. Now, I don't like the way he did it or they did it. Might not be a he. Maybe it is. Okay. It's a he. I don't love the way he did it because you know, you connected with me. Why'd you connect with me? What's the point of connecting with me? Woohoo, we got our dates on each other's freaking list now. Awesome. It does nothing for either of us. You shouldn't have even connected. Don't connect with me if I'm reaching out to you and we've got no baseline. 
Just don't do it. Look at my profile. Look at what I do. Look at who I am. It's there. I promise I'm public. You can find me. 10 seconds, you can find me. Maybe less to go with the computer. Anyways, setting expectations, fantastic thing to do. Think about how you're setting expectations. Think about it. Am I setting expectations so I have a clear understanding that this is somebody that I can help? And is there an opportunity, because I'm initiating, is there an opportunity for them to find out from me if I can help them? Because that is a marriage that needs to come from both sides. Both people got to work that walk down the street together. That's my thoughts. And it comes to sales. You need to set expectations. Really interesting story I ran across. Let me know what you think. I want to know if you've run across anything like that. How many people on LinkedIn do you have? And here's the question. How many people on LinkedIn do you have that you've connected with and they've connected with you and you have done nothing with? How many? Now ask yourself, why? What was the point? Maybe we need to go ahead and set expectations, do a better job, and really engage with these people instead of just adding to our account. Because guess what? The score of how many people you know or follow on LinkedIn, it's irrelevant. What is relevant is what kind of relationships you can create. And the best way to create a good relationship up front, once again, set those expectations. We've got a fantastic guest joining us today. We've got the one and only... Shane Santa Croce joining us here in the lab. Why sales process and marketing? What's kind of led you to that? And, and why have you made that decision to make that a major focus? It's actually a really good question because that question right there really determined my career path to where it is now from when I was in my 20s. So when I was younger, you know, I've always been in some capacity, right? And when I learned to do sales, leads were anything. We used to get three by five cards with a name and phone number. That was your lead for the day. You got 100 a day, but you had to make 400 phone calls. So once you got done with that, you had the phone book. You know, and we would literally go to the white pages and just go down and just call, cold call. I mean, that was the lead to me. So, you know, I never knew of a lead. And then every once in a while, they'd come down. If anybody's ever watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, we get the Glenn Gary lead, right? And that was from a broker that had somebody that had invested in the past. It didn't work out, but... You know, it was a professor who had spent money in the past. And if you got one of those, that was the golden goose, right? So in the when I started in the title insurance business, I converted to mortgage sales and lending. And my guys were always complaining about leads. So I just started generating my own leads. Then I started generating so many that my staff couldn't handle it. So my God, well, I'll just sell them. And our conversions were very, very high. And then other people's were literally... 10 to 20% of ours. And I, I'm thinking to myself, well, they're exclusive. I'm not reselling them to anyone else. I'm not a lead vendor. I'm doing this just to make up for leads I can't. You're an overflow for me. Why am I closing at 42% and you're closing at eight and six? So I said, look, here's what I'm going to do for you. Let me listen to some of the phone calls that your guys are taking and figure out what they're doing differently than mine. Wow. What an eye-opening experience that was to hear how horrible people were in sales, right? So I said, look, my guys have a very detailed script that they have to follow. And then there's a the part for improvisation. And then back to the script. Why don't you let me write one for your guys? For free. That's right. You close more leads. Okay, great. I went up a little bit. 
Okay, well, what type of CRM are you using? Well, we don't use a CRM. Okay, well, what kind of phone system do you have? Well, it just, it's, you know, whatever random thing they were using. And I just started to realize that all these different steps all combined with the sales process, right? So when you talk about marketing, marketing is only as good as the sales team that are taking the phone calls. So I started offering a service and I realized, well, I might as well make money off of this, right? So no longer am I doing this as a favor. I started building out branded campaigns specific and then going in and training the staff, creating a script, understanding a phone system and how it should, you know, um, kind of integrate with your CRM, the CRM follow-ups, how important follow-up it was. Then I got to the psychology and the follow-up process. And before you know it, I basically just created a system that you can walk into almost any industry and implement a digital marketing platform that flows directly into the sales process, into the CRMs with a very efficient follow-up process. And you're going to have the best results you can get. I mean, that's really, that's how the whole thing played out with me saying, hey, here's some overflow leads. You suck. Why? Let's figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Why do people naturally suck? In your, in your experience, kind of what's been the what's been the number one driver of like where, where people break in the in the sales conversation? What are they doing wrong? I think there's a lot of myths about sales. Like number one, salesmen are born, not made. I believe that for the first half of my career until I started educating myself on actual sales. So for me, I was a salesman because I was hungry. Like my, I lived in my mom's car when I was 12. So I got a job because I didn't like that very much, you know? And over time, I just, you know, I wanted money. So I would, it didn't matter. You gave me somebody to call and you said there's a potential to make money out of it. I'm calling. I'm not going to stop until you just block me. Right. So that was within me because of the need to survive literally as a, a teenager. What I did, what I realized is that I started to learn and educate myself in sales and reading like Robert Kiyosaki and Robert Greene and Tom Hopkins and so forth, Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie. I realized that this is something that can be taught, right? And, you know, I literally had this conversation just this past week with somebody because they didn't go to college. And I'm sorry, it was actually their kid we were talking about. He wasn't going to college. He had really nothing going on. And um, she said to me, Shane, what do you suggest he does? Well, you have him learn the sales. It's the only place you can go that has an unlimited potential of revenue based on your work ethic, period. So she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, take this course, this course, buy all these books, read them in this order, da, da, da. And it all came out, what I was suggesting them to do, to about $30,000 over the course of a year. And she's like, that's crazy. Why would we spend that money? I'm like, well, where'd you go to college? And she went uh, to um, UF and her husband went to FSU. I go, what'd you guys spend on college? Oh my God, this, da, da, da. And, you know, she's in the medical field. He's in the IT field. They spend an obscene amount of money, right? Six figures between the two. I said, so you guys are willing to spend six figures on a college of which either one of you are really actually utilize your current career, right? But you're not willing to invest $30,000 in educating your son for him to have a career. And they kind of looked at each other, looked at me like this, this light bulb went on top of my head. And she's like, wow, you know, I, I never really thought of it that way. I said, so most people don't spend the time investing into themselves. They take a, they take a, a, a job because the earning potential is six figures a year, but it's earning 
potential. Therefore, you have to find your potential. Invest an hour or two, just a day. You can literally completely alter the path in life in 90 days. Doesn't matter if you're 50 years old or 15 years old. In 90 days, you can completely alter your trajectory in life. So why not put in that, that focus, that time, and that dedication? And most people, they just don't do it. And they use the excuse, Shane, you're, you're just a natural at this. Well, why? I wasn't a natural at 14. I was being yelled at and screamed at and cursed at by you know, multi-millionaire stockbrokers, right? As a kid, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So if I could do it then at 24, you could definitely do it now. We've got the fabulous Betty Monroe, CEO of Connective Engagements and a current film and television actress, as well as acting coach. What what prompted you to move into the space? Because it's something that we we certainly see all the time. You know, being in the virtual space is is it's hard to engage with people. For a couple of years, I was actually producing and marketing a sales enablement based podcast. And that started a bit before the pandemic. And as we moved into the pandemic and Zoom became a thing, I started seeing my, my sellers really struggling in the space. And as a film and TV actress, I thought, well, gosh, I can really help people. Um, you know, the joke was we'd see people with their, you know, screens tilted so far back, you could see up their nose or they were dark or you couldn't see them or they had a bunch of clutter behind them. Um, you know, the initial jokes and sadly, some people still haven't figured it out. Um, I even hosted a webinar during that time period where someone ate a full steak dinner on camera. So, you know, the, the virtual aesthetics became glaringly important. Um, but then as we moved forward, I started seeing, as you mentioned, people really struggling with that interpersonal connection, you know, especially in the B2B sales tech space when you're working with prospects and clients and figuring out, well, gosh, how on earth do I do what I've done for 10, 15, 20 years with face-to-face -face and building relationships with people? And I don't have that face-to-face -face anymore. Um, but you can, and it's simply about adjusting the way you connect, right? Connective engagement came to me simply because that's what we need to learn how to do. And it's not just a result of the pandemic. It's a result of too much technology sometimes. You know, my own young adult kids struggle with socialization and all of this, this stuff happening in our world right now. And it's kind of affected everybody, whether you're 16 or 56. Um, look, we all want to go back in person, and many of us have, yet many have still opted to, this isn't going anywhere, bottom line. This is not going anywhere because it's saving companies millions of dollars in former travel expenses. It is easier for people. People, people are able to, pardon me, people are able to spend more time with their families and all the wonderful pros that have come out of it. So it's not going anywhere. And yes, you can. It's just different. We maybe have to learn how to read body language in a very different and more nuanced and finite manner, as opposed to, you know, watching somebody's whole body stance. But it can be done. Simple things like showing your hands occasionally when you're on screen. I talk with my hands anyway, coming from a Brooklyn-based Jewish family, but, <coughs> but doing that actually builds trust. And why? How many times have some of our listeners or even you guys been on a prospective call in the last couple of years meeting somebody you've never met before and you're on camera and you turn on your meeting and their screen is black. And what that says is without meaning to what it says, and I get the uncomfortable part, and that's, that's something for another time, but 
what it says to the person that you're meeting with is that whatever it is they're doing that you can't see is far more important than the meeting that you've planned together. So these are things to think about. How much of a learning curve do you think there really is to getting good on the camera? I don't think it, I don't think it's about so much Josh being good as being self-aware of the constant ebb and flow and changes taking place in not only our personal lives, but our business lives due to the pandemic. So I think, I think a lot of people have figured it out, but a lot of people still haven't. And a lot of people are still struggling. You know, this being on camera all day is exhausting for everybody, even the most seasoned professional. Um, you know, and Zoom fatigue is a real thing. So a nice part of bringing that self-awareness in, whether you are an employee, a seller, or even a team leader or manager or a, a head of an organization is maintaining an awareness of all of the things that are involved. You know, everyone is still getting used to the fact that their naked four-year-old is maybe going to come running behind them in the middle of a meeting that's set up this way. Um, like, you know, with a CEO and 10 important people going, mommy, I'm Superman. And it's okay to laugh. And it's okay for your dog to come in or your cat to decide to come in and sit on top of your screen, because that's just kind of where we are now, if you're meeting virtually. And I think people, as it's been over two and a half years now, are getting more and more used to these things. But what we need to do is learn how to bring those things back in. But this is the thing. We're all human beings being human. And we're all in the same boat on the same seat. And we've now had enough time to kind of adjust to what this is. And you need to be yourself because in order to, to achieve the genuine connection through a screen, as opposed to face-to-face, -face, reading someone's body language, eye-to-eye -eye contact, blah, 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 you have to be able to be yourself. You know, that's why I have my family photos behind me. I'm in my kitchen. This is my home. It's really important. And when you are in a position where you're in meetings with people perhaps you don't know well, these things behind me might be a really great conversation starter. And the other thing is people are so overwhelmed with everything going on in the world right now. It is important for us to recognize that it it's the the that personalization needs to come first at the beginning of any meeting. You know, and not just about the weather. How's the weather, you know? The the photo behind me might become a conversation piece. Or, um, you know, just let somebody know I'm a, I'm a parent or um, anything like that. There's so many different pieces to the puzzle. And I think it's just a tough thing. And it's time and experience and just repetitive motion, doing it again and again. You know, but it, it's kind of correlative to many people are exhausted, like I said, from being on camera all the time. And sometimes it is okay to not be on camera. And that's a whole different that's a whole different subject, you know, that pertains to whatever's going on within your office space or your organization and how you set up your meetings. But when you do have them this way, yes, it's important to just be you, be self-aware, be authentic, be genuine, because that's how you build relationships in the first place, whether you're in person or otherwise. I can totally relate. My background is what's actually going on in my head all the minutes of every day. <laughs> Perfect conversation. That's, that's what I love that. inside your head looks like. Terrifying, <laughs> right? Hello, hello. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. I'm Fuzzy and I'm the doctor. JB couldn't be with us today. He is out trick or treating. If this is your first episode, yikes. It's a doc here, in case you haven't figured that out yet. If I'm the doctor, I am flying solo. JB is out trick or treating. So we're going to talk about 
Halloween and networking and personas, right? So Halloween, what's fun about Halloween? You get to dress up. You get to be something different for a little while. You don't have to be yourself that day. But generally, when you pick a costume, there's still a bit of your persona in there. Otherwise, you wouldn't choose it, right? There's still something you like about it. Networking is very similar. A lot of people like to network. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are very happy to get out there and shake hands and meet people. A lot of people aren't. You might fall on either one of those. So what I want to talk about a little bit is how to put on a performance, just like you would on Halloween, while you're networking. Does that sound weird? That's all you're doing. You're putting on a costume. It's just your networking costume. Might be a suit. Might be your logoed shirt. Whatever it may be, you go out there and you're putting on your costume and you're going out there and networking. And the big part of that is feeling comfortable doing it in delivery. So if it helps you, pretend like you're playing a character. Pretend like you're being the representative of your company right easy for you to say uh that's your costume for the day get into that character what is that character like what does that character do how would that character sell your company that's one way that you can make you maybe feel a little bit more comfortable while you're out there networking right especially if you're someone who loves halloween and loves playing a character in those moments now i know i'm hearing you already what about authenticity doc we don't want to be someone else But just as I was saying earlier, it's not being inauthentic because you're still you. You're playing that character as a way of a vessel to get it out there a little bit more. So you're thinking a little bit different in your mind. It's a mindset character. You're still you. You're still talking about the things you know and love. You're still talking about your business. It's just a way of doing it that takes a little bit of that stress off and a little bit of a mindset shift. But you can tell I'm really excited. It's not like I've been out trick-or-treating eating all the candy. Maybe a little bit. But that's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of think of it as a performance piece. Networking, a different persona. If you feel uncomfortable, just say you're putting on that Halloween costume. You're putting on that networking costume. You're going out there, and you're just going to have some fun and let loose a little bit. It's still authentic. It's still you. It's just a part of you that gets to perform. And that small mindset shift, I need to change those two words around, that small, let's say it together, mindset shift is all you need to do to get into the character and have a totally different output when you're out there networking. So let me know. Is that something you can try? I would love to hear some uh, what you guys think. Slide into the DMs. Let us know. Reach out on all our social media platforms at JB and the Doctor. I really want to hear back what you guys do to get into mode to do the networking so that you feel more comfortable. If you're already comfortable, great. you already got that persona. Then you don't need to try this. But you might want to because it's fun. Um, It always is kind of fun to to feel like you're someone different even when you're yourself. It's just a little bit of a way to kind of shift that mindset and try something a little different. We have an absolutely awesome guest joining us today from 26 North Productions, Max Sense Doitier. How how did you end up in this space? Did you ever expect this is what you were going to do? Or does was this just a natural progression where like this kind of, this is the zone you knew you were going to own? How'd you end up here? 
Yeah, so I think the entrepreneurial spirit is something that you have within you. I think there's certain skill sets that you learn over time, like organization. I mean, that's that's a skill set and you want to get better and better at it. Um, you know, I think every opportunity I've gotten have been just positive contacts and connections, networking, meeting people, um, similar to our relationship, how we met in a just very positive function of which we shared common interests, common goals. Um, I think when you align yourself with other entrepreneurs, other business savvy um, individuals, it allows you to, to elevate yourself and elevate your vision. Um, I think the bigger you dream, the more vivid that dream becomes. I love that, man. I, I might just steal that quote from you. I'll, I'll give you a little love though. I'll, I'll let it be known. You know, the interesting location that Max Sense was just mentioning that we met was the Evolve Networking uh, hosted by JB and the Doctor. So cheap plug, cheap plug. I love cheap plugs. I like that. Involve networking. It was great. And it was at the Brightline station. Very effective. Um, JB um, presented his personal story of how he got together with with Big Al doesn't pay. Big Al does Big Al doesn't pay. He doesn't he doesn't pay. And uh, was that his name? It's Big John, but it's all good, man. <laughs> the name's not the name's not the important part of the story. He was big. We... That, was, that was the most important part. He was big. He was big. He was tall. He had a, he had a and he had a message to deliver, and um, and he he knew that message and he shared it every single day and it and it made the bus driver want to better himself. And and and, and for those of you that don't know the story, I know um, I can give you the cliff notes. <laughs> they just have to show up at one of the events. A... Yeah, that come to one of the events. So I don't always tell that story, but I have told that story a, a number of times over the years. And and the shocking thing about storytelling, I guess, shocking maybe not if you're if you're if you do it, uh, it sticks with people, right? Just like just like you you're remembering that story, and that that event was months ago. At this point, you're remembering that story, and uh, good stories stick. And, and that's just a great story about assumptions and framing and how we look at life and the perspective that we carry into something. Uh, and so it's, it's just a powerful story. So I'm, I'm glad it did stick. It's, a, it's always nice when I hear that feedback. I'm, I'm a big believer in keeping things simple and delivering a strong message. And I think the message overall from that really connected everyone. Uh, I think um, going into the space of, of, of being an entrepreneur and connecting with other business people and Joining networking events, there's there's a there's a social level and there's a networking level, right? Isn't that the point? So so on the social spectrum, that's where like the drinks and the the venue space and the you know the glitz and the glamour. That's that's a social. But then the networking is where you actually do business, and you have to kind of like teeter that line of like, is it 50-50? Is it seventy thirty? Is it like where are you going? And so I felt like you know the welcome speech that you gave with a very satirical comical very easily digestible story had very just i think it fell on everyone's ears very nicely and so although i don't remember the characters names i do remember the story i do remember the message um and i think that connection is what brought us here today and so i'm i'm, I'm grateful to keep connecting and um and great and i want to go to another involved networking i want to i want to i want to hear another story <laughs> 
We're, we're, we're getting there, man. Our goal, our goal is monthly. So if you're in South Florida, you know, it, we're not quite monthly yet, but we're working towards it. So keep your eyes out and peeled for our social media content. We will have a lot of details on any other evolved networking events that are coming up. Uh, we are really excited to continue just having absolutely amazing professionals get together, learn something, be intentional and really level up their networking. So they make better connections, right? The whole goal is to have that better return on investment with your time, because we don't have a lot of it as entrepreneurs. We're always stretched for time. And this is just our way of kind of, you know, building out a community together where we feel like we can make a big difference uh, compared to what's traditionally done. Right. And, and I, I've been to a ton of networking events. Uh, the doc's done a ton of these things and, and too often it's purely social and there's not enough intention involved. And that, that doesn't really help. You know, that doesn't help you achieve your goals as an entrepreneur. It needs to have a little bit of both. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, 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 I'll take a shot of tequila. <laughs> take two shots of tequila, actually, please. <laughs> I nobody's saying we didn't have shots. <laughs> we still know how to have a good time, you know. Wasn't that a fun episode? We really enjoy looking back at 2022 and some of those awesome clips. Uh, we got a lot in store for this new year. We're going to take it to the next level. We're going to keep hitting you with some awesome guests. And some quick hits. And as you know, we are on podcasts on anywhere you listen, plus on YouTube. So you get to listen and watch and check out our YouTube channel this year if you haven't, because we are going to be turning up the content in there to the next level. Uh, we've been hitting you with shorts consistently. We've been hitting you with our podcast consistently. We're going to be adding in some new uh, tidbits on the YouTube channel exclusively where you're going to get some great teaching from JB and I, and we're really, really excited to what we're going to add to our YouTube channel in the coming year. Uh, so check that out. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to the notifications so you don't miss them. Still be coming out once a week at you. I hope you really enjoyed it. And do me a favor. If you, if you have a favorite clip from this year, this past year that you really enjoyed, or if there's one that you saw today, or listen to today that you really enjoyed slide into those dms let us know we really really want to hear what you guys liked i want to give you more of it so this is the only way we know is when you tell us so we look forward to hearing from you we look forward to an awesome awesome 2023 i'll go see if jb's awake yet i'm not sure and we will catch you guys on the other side and don't forget you can always follow us on our website at jbandthedoctor.com or on any of the social media at jb and the doctor we will see you on the other side peace out yo Happy New Year.